For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Brain Dump by The Fail Coach. And today we have another interview, and I have Mr. Brian with us. Uh, Brian, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for uh, for being my guest. And uh, first thing, I would love to ask you to please introduce yourself a little bit to our audience. Sure. Thanks, Miha, for having me. It's a pleasure being on your show. And I think the best way to introduce myself is with bacon. And the reason I introduce <laughs> myself with bacon is because everything in my brand is about bacon. So I wrote a book in 2014 called It's Not About You, It's About Bacon Relationship Marketing in a Social Media World. And what BACON is, is an acronym that stands for Building Authentic Connections Online Networking. So what I do is I help my customers figure out a way to get their message across that is a noticeable and tasty. And that's pretty much it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I love, I love. And, and I just learned uh, a few minutes ago that bacon is actually not your favorite food. It is not. No. As a matter of fact, uh, when I, one of the things about when I wrote the book is I would go out to a lot of meetings and I would take pictures of bacon, you know, so I'd, I'd be at a networking breakfast and take a picture of bacon. And my friend started bugging me on Facebook. He's like, dude, do you have a prepaid plan with your cardiologist? Cause you're going to die. And I said, you don't understand. This is OPB. This is other people's bacon. I'm eating oatmeal. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't mind bacon, but it's bacon's an acronym. You know, and it, it's something that is memorable. As a matter of fact, Miha, the two most shared things on the Internet, period, amen, number one is cats. Number two is bacon. So you, you can find bacon memes. You can find, you know, trophies, uh, World Cups and, and Stanley Cups made out of bacon. You Everything has bacon in it. You know, bacon is the duct tape of food, by the way, too. So, Okay. I mean... Okay, I get it. I understand it. And I can see how I will never get, you know, I will never forget when I will see bacon or hear bacon, I will be immediately reminded about you. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you you mentioned that you help your clients how to get the message across. So. Mm -hmm. Um, where should we start? I, I think the best way to start is in at the beginning. Yep. So, you know, like, um, how do you do that? Like what, what maybe, what are the problems that they are experiencing before they hire you and how do you help them get the message across? I think a lot of our, uh, uh listeners, 
um, are dealing with, you know, they, they want to do content marketing and they want to do it properly. But, you know, it's in, in, in today's world with, with all the noise and the term that I love to use, the infobesity with too much information out there, how do you get your message across effectively uh, so that it works for your business? And I love that question. And I also love your term infobesity because it is so true. Is there's so much information out there. It's something I also like to call bright, shiny object syndrome, Vsauce. And that is yes. because you get all these people saying Facebook ads, do Facebook ads. No, you need to do Google ads. No, you need to do Facebook. You need to do Instagram's a hot thing. Uh, Google Plus, you know, which is gone. Uh, MySpace, um, you know, jump on these things and you're going to be famous. And the reality of it is it all boils down to basics. Uh, you may not know this person, but John Wooden was a basketball coach, the most winningest basketball coach in the world. And he, he coached UCLA uh, college basketball. And what he did is every time he started a new year, the first thing he would do is have all of his students, whether they're freshmen or seniors, come out and dribble the entire first practice. So it all starts with basics. What are the basics? So let me, let me give you another story. And the story is, is I started my first business in 1979 in my dad's basement. I had a recording studio and I would do bands and radio commercials. But the key thing I want to get across is I was doing content marketing back in 1979. And I, I get the question all the time. It's like, dude, how did you do content marketing in 1979? There's no email. There's no internet. There's no Facebook. There's no nothing. How I did it is I had an Atari 400 computer which was a, a cheap one you could buy at a department store and hooked up to a TV and I had a dot matrix printer and I would type up stories about how to record, what new equipment I've got, what, how to prepare to come in and do a uh, commercial, you know, what is the best methodology for a commercial, all of those kind of things. Basically, the questions that people were asking me when they came in the studio, I would turn them into articles. I would literally print them out on dot matrix printer, cut them up, lay them out on 11 by 17 sheet of paper, fold it up, take it to a printer and mail it to my clients. That was content marketing back then. And it's no different today. It's all the same stuff. The difference is, is we have different delivery platforms now. So we can do content marketing, but we can put it up on Facebook. We can do it as a blog. We could do it as a video. We could do it as a podcast. But the core is, what questions are your clients asking, and do you have an answer that emotionally resonates with them in a way that gets them to take some action, whether it's to do what you tell them or to pick up the phone and call you to buy from you? That's really all it boils down to. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you said it's no different today than it was. It's just the tools are different and, and the platforms are different because I see with a lot of my clients that because, you know, my clients are not millennials. They are, you know, 35-ish plus. And so they're a little bit intimidated or afraid of the online world. And I have to admit, I was the same until I found an amazing coach who really just told me, like, just be what, like, how do you do this in, in, in offline world? Oh, I do it like this. Well, do the same online. And he was teaching me all those things or, you know, like just 
confirming that I shouldn't derail from how I act in 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 the real life. You know, like he mm-hmm. he he has this saying, like you know, if if you would be walking down the street and you would see your friend in a bar, you would go there, shake hand, uh, you know, exchange a few thoughtful comments before you would go. Uh, you wouldn't just run by the the bar and and just give him a, a heart or a thumbs up and and just run away what people do on in the online world you scroll through the feet and you just like like heart like like heart smiley face smiley face and so on <laughs> and and you know you're not creating any conversations and so on so i love that point that that things haven't changed we are still human beings we still love stories we love content and we love to communicate and it's just that the platform is different but um do you have any experience with people or companies who uh, are intimidated or afraid of the online world and maybe how do you help them overcome uh that absolutely and um So one of the places I specialize is LinkedIn. And I know you're on LinkedIn because we're connected, and I'm assuming your audience might be on LinkedIn. And here's one of the intimidation factors. You get a connection request, and you accept it. You may not know the person. And the first thing the person does is sends you a direct message and says, hey, I know you don't know me, but I've got this video, and it's only 30 minutes. And if you watch that, I know that you're going to love what I do, and you're going to want to buy from me. So after you finish that, let me set up a 30-minute call with you so I can explain the benefits for you and all this other stuff. And you talked about the bar scene. I consider that like walking into a bar, tapping somebody on a shoulder, a man or a woman, depending on who you are, and saying, hey, you're cute or pretty. Would you marry me? And here's the deal. Yeah. One out of a thousand times that will work, but chances of it working, it will end badly, period. And so that's what happens on social media platforms is people think that, you know, you just go in and tap somebody on the shoulder. And if you hit enough people, sooner or later, somebody's going to buy. The key thing that you got to think about is, and you said it best, I mean, what would you do in real life? And you want to start building relationships with people. That's where the key thing is. What I tend to get people to understand is technology is no different than everything you use already. We all tend to communicate the way we like to communicate. So I tend to be a vocal person. I'm an auditory learner. There are three kinds of people. There's an auditory learner, visual learner, tactile learner. So I'm an auditory learner. I like talking on the phone. Visual learners love graphics and email. Tactile learners like to get together face-to-face. Even if they're an introvert, they still prefer that because they, they like the human contact. So the key thing that you have to do is you have to figure out, number one, who is your audience? Number two, how do they like to communicate? And then number three, serve up what it is that you're trying to say to them in a way that is non-confrontational, non-salesy, and just relational so that you can start to build that relationship. And eventually they'll say, like you asked me, Brian, how do you do it? Then you get an opportunity to explain it. But you have to, you have, to have that relational portion first before people are going to feel comfortable enough to ask that question. Okay. My question here, I mean, yes, I agree with you not 100%, but 1,000%. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you have to build the relationships. Um, I think, unfortunately, 
with all the credit cards and and all the what corporations are doing we live in a very i want it all i want it now um right. kind of world and so you know we just want to speed up the process as much as possible but you know we i think in, in on one side we 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 people do understand creating relationships the problem that they have is that they don't understand who their audience should be or is how to find them and 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 so they are wasting a lot of time talking with the wrong people and mm-hmm. because of that they try to fast forward the whole thing and they start using those jank those janky salesy techniques so maybe if we go really to the basics and since you really are um very very good at marketing um how do we get to the point that we understand who our audience is and especially how do we find them well the first part about your audience is now if you're if you're starting from scratch it's a little tougher so one of the things that you have to do is you have to ask a lot of questions and you have to try to figure out where people people buy from one of two places pleasure or pain usually it's a pain point they have a problem that needs to be solved some people buy from pleasure they want to go on vacation they want to feel better they want to be pampered so the question is is what problem do you solve and then you have to figure out with how you solve that problem what makes you different how can you do it in a way that makes you stand out from the crowd that makes you either better, cheaper or faster. You only get to pick two of those. So cheaper, better or faster. And the last part of it is then you have to test it. Then you have to go out and say I have the the fastest and cheapest way to make money for you. Okay? You need to put that in front of people and figure out A do they trust what you're saying? B do they understand what you're saying? And C you know, are they going to take action on it? Because really, that's the most important thing. Whatever communication you put out, you measure it by action, not by reaction. So you have to see what people are going to do based on the messages you put in front of them. So that's the key to all of this, again, is asking the right questions to solve their problems and getting them to take action. I, I remember probably 20 years ago or something, I bought a book from Amazon and I waited like a month or so for it to be delivered from U.S. to Slovenia. Uh, mm-hmm. And the title of the book was Questions Are the Answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 100% correct. Um, so do you have any, you know, any suggestions like how do we form those questions uh, or even just, you know, how do we ask in a way that i mean the way i see it if if we just approach a person and start asking questions they will know that we are interrogating them and they will put their guards up and not tell us the Mm -hmm. full story so we need to warm up the relationship first and maybe you know if you have any tips tricks how to warm the relationship up so that it comes off as genuine human to human so that they let the guards down and tell us the full story. Well, 
you know, when it comes to meeting people, I, I, there's actually two answers to this question. When meeting people in person, one of the things I always say is God gave us two ears and one mouth to listen twice as much as we talk. So that's the key is ask questions and shut up. Don't try to overdrive the situation, you know, but usually starting out with small talk or something personal, finding a connection that you have, like I love golf, I love music, you know, those kind of things. You find something that you have in common and start from there. That's what relationship building is about, is finding a common core of something that you can agree on up front. And then from there, now you can find out, so what do you do? In, in networking, that is one of the most powerful questions that you can ever ask, is how did you get started or, or what do you do? Because people love talking about themselves. And by asking them, you know, giving them the opportunity to talk about themselves and then asking questions that don't necessarily point to what you do, but maybe can give you some insight. I think that's really key is learning how to be somebody who knows how to ask the right questions. Now, the second portion of this that I wanted to talk about is influencers. There is somebody in your space doing what you're doing. Unless you invented the wheel, somebody else has done it already. And you need to go find those people and go watch them. I know you have bought other people's courses to learn how to make courses. I have done the same thing. I've joined masterminds. I've paid for a ton of different things. I've gotten coaches. What I'm doing is I'm going in and I'm trying to learn by example to see what they're doing that works and also go into it with a mindset is not only do I want to see what's working, but I want to see what's working on me. One thing that most people need to think about is a lot of times their perfect avatar is them, yourself, because you're passionate about something. You understand something. You know how to do something. And chances are, if you could start to get your arms around your own way of perceiving messages, chances are that you can take that and replicate it in a way that other people that are kind of like you are going to listen to and react the same way. So what you want to do is go out and try to find some influencers in your space, watch what they do, read their sales letters, get on their email list, watch their webinars, listen to their podcasts, try to figure out how are they communicating in a way that moves you. And don't plagiarize but basically try to figure out how you can personalize that methodology in a way that's going to get your messages across to your audience that's going to make you stand out. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. Um, and especially you saying that most often our ideal avatar is ourselves or a version of ourselves or maybe our past self or something like that. Because I mean, it's really hard if like, let's say, I don't know, I'm a business coach. And, and I'm as unmaterial person as you can you can find. I mean, really, material stuff really doesn't do anything for me. I'm so much about experiences and other things and family mm -hmm. and, and, and all of that. And so for me, I, I can't see myself talking with people that are all about Lambos and mansions. And, 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 and I mean, I'm not judging. I was like that. Mm -hmm. 
15 years ago. And then, you know, I went through all my transformation due to my failures. And I figured out that that's not what matters to me, that there are different things. But I can't see myself talking with them because our values are so much different that either I would have to fake it. I mean, yes, I'm selling to them, so I would need to fake it. And that means I wouldn't be myself. Uh, and I can't really bring my A game to the table if I'm not myself. The energy is not there. The energy is not right. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so very, I, very powerful. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. I was, I was just going to give another story. So, and it's a real life story is, you know, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken. Um, a what? I was at one time, <laughs> a spring chicken, a young guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, even though I may sound young, um, but I've been in business for over 40 years and I've worked both corporate and ran my own businesses multiple times, sold them, failed, did all that kind of stuff. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned is to pay attention to people that have been there and done that. So one of the things I wanted to do is I started to get a little heavy and um, my pants didn't fit and I didn't feel healthy and I wasn't sleeping well and all this other stuff. So I decided, you know, hey, dude, if you want to make it to, you know, your 75th birthday, you better start making some changes now. Not that I'm that close to that, but I do want to at least make it that far. So I decided to go jogging. So I went to a friend who I know runs 5K races. And I said to him, I said, dude, I'm going to start running. What can you tell me about it? He gave me the best advice in the world. He said, Brian, it's really simple. All you do is you walk a minute and you run a minute. And you walk a minute and you run a minute. And you do that for a mile if you can. You do it for two miles if you can. It doesn't matter the distance. You just do it in those increments. Do that a few times and go to 5-5. Five, five. Then go to 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Then go to a half hour, half hour. Whatever you can do until you can run whatever distance you feel comfortable 100% of the way. Then once you finish that, then you can figure out how to do it faster. But the key thing is, is do it step by step. And I feel it's the same way in business is, you know, you've got to learn to be, business is super, super simple. It's really, really easy when you break it down. All you got to do is figure out how to take $1 and turn it into two or $3. And there's a guy, you may have heard of him. I actually, I saw this video on Facebook. And it said, you know, check out our interview with Dennis Becker. And Dennis Becker is kind of like the father of online marketing in a sense. And he talked about how he was dead broke, you know, $300,000 in debt running a physical store and tried to do things on eBay and couldn't figure it out and was losing money left and right and going deeper and deeper in debt. And then he said to himself, I got to figure this thing out. I got to keep doing it. I got to, he failed so many times, but he came back and he finally said, all I got to do is make five bucks. If I can make five bucks a day, that's going to at least put me in the positive. So let me start there. So he started with five bucks and then he figured out how to scale it. So he could do that three times, 10 times, 50 times. And eventually not only got out of debt was a millionaire. And so it all starts with very small incremental changes and don't expect too much too fast. Yes. Um, it's almost, I mean, the way I explain it is mm -hmm. you set a goal, but then immediately you have to let go of that goal emotionally and focus on the process and process are basically steps and and then all you do is you create process 1.0 you validate it 
uh, I mean, you polish it up, you validate it, and then when it's proven, validated, duplicatable, then you start working on process 2.0 and 3.0 and 4.0 and so on. And you just keep going and um, every every new iteration, it's better, more scalable, uh, brings more, but it's all about the steps and daily doing those steps. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's that's exactly what I did in my business. I mean, when I wrote my book, uh, well, what, you know, take you back even a step further. When I started this business in 2001, so it's about 18, 19 years, I started doing business card CDs. It was video on business card size CDs because back then there wasn't a great way to get video online. And I remember that those. Was I remember those. Yeah. yeah. That, that was the, the, the thing for uh, companies to hand out at conferences back in, yeah, 2000 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then it evolved into doing, you know, DVDs, video on DVD or data on DVD. And then, you know, now everything is cloud-based. So, you know, one of the other things that you have to think about too is reinvention. And that's something that I think everybody in business does. I had a breakfast with a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in about four or five years. And he, he said to me, he looked at me, he says, I'm just amazed at how you're able to constantly reinvent yourself. And the reality is, is I didn't reinvent the way that he thought. I just went through the process that you talked about of process 1.0, process 2.0, 3.0. I learned what I learned from making those business card CDs and then figured out how to do it on DVDs and then figured out how to do it on websites and figured out how to do it on email and then figured out how to do it on social media. And, but it still goes back to those roots of 1979 of printing out on a dot matrix printer and cutting that stuff and piecing it together. So now the key thing is whatever you do, you know, and, and you being the fail coach, I mean, you know, this better than anything else. I mean, everything is attitude. It, you know, a failure is a failure only if you emotionally take it that way. But if you look at a failure as something that's a stepping stone that you can learn and grow from and take you to the next level and you say, OK, well, I learned this doesn't work, but I saw this little piece here that did. So let me keep that, throw the rest away and try another way, but still keep that other piece. And you start building assets mentally or process wise that start to piece together into a cohesive package that eventually will get you to where you want to be. But as you said before, we all live in a very short attention span. I can get it delivered by Amazon at my door by drone today kind of world. And in reality, that's not how things work. You know, in reality, it takes time, it takes experience, it takes knowledge, and it, it takes money sometimes. It, you know, sometimes you just have to be willing to spend some money to learn from somebody and to invest in them getting you to where you need to be. And, and that's really kind of the key to all of this stuff is you have to be open enough to, to say, you know, well, I don't know what I don't know and I need to pay for this because, man, you, you talk about infobesity. There is so much free information out there on the Internet. But the problem is, is it's all it's like buying a jigsaw puzzle one piece at a time from a bunch of different stores. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, the information is out there, but putting it together in a step-by-step -step plan that actually makes sense. And, you know, like what, you know, what, uh, 
one thing with my program, somebody told me like, oh, Miha, aren't you afraid that somebody will just download it and, and you know, whatever? And I said, let them download it. I don't care. I mean, I, I didn't reinvent the wheel. All this information, you can already find it on YouTube and Google and so on. It, it's, you know, the hand-holding uh, throughout the process. It's the brainstorming sessions. That's what's key to the whole program. Um, information mm-hmm. that's the pre-recorded information, it's just laid out in, in, in a step-by-step uh, way so they that they know how to go through all of that. But, I mean, I could easily go on YouTube, find other people's videos and just, you know, put them together in a step-by-step plan. It's not that I reinvented something. Uh, but, Brian, I want to go to the next mm-hmm. step. So we were talking a lot about your uh, – so – knowing understanding who's your audience like then Mm -hmm. what's the next step in uh getting your content across in an efficient way well there's there's first and foremost there are three different kinds of um there are three different kinds of audiences right off the bat there's the cold warm and hot uh there's a process that I use called the open process. And the open process has four parts. O-P-E-N. Oh, oblivious. I don't need what you have. It's what I call selling dog food to cat people. Just because somebody has a pet does not necessarily mean they're going to need dog food. But a lot of people treat their businesses that way. Those people are oblivious to you. They love cats. They only want to buy cat food. They're never going to buy dog food. So let's get to the P, which is the pondering. We're thinking about getting a dog, but they're not ready to make a decision on which dog food or how often to feed or even what breed to get. So all you need to do at that point is let them know that you make dog food. That's it. You don't need to tell them you have the best dog food, the smartest dog food, the healthiest dog food. You just need to let them know you make dog food. The next one is E, engaged. They are going to get a dog in a week, in a month, whatever it is, and they need to figure out what kind of food to feed this. Are they getting a Great Dane or are they getting a Chihuahua? You know, what is the best nutrition for that? What are the options? There's kibble, there's wet food, there's organic food, there's uh, green free. You know, what is the thing? So they're going to be out there researching and they need information. They need to be educated. And then the last piece of that puzzle is need. I have the dog in the car. I don't know what I'm going to feed it. I'm going to go to a specialty dog store because I'm not going to go to Walmart and trust one of those people or, or um, whatever grocery store you have. I'm not going to go to a grocery store and trust them to tell me what kind of food to feed my dog. I need to go to a specialist and I'm willing to pay a premium to get that done. So those are the four places. That's the open. It's oblivious, pondering, engaged in need. Now, when you sit down and look at that, there's different kinds of content. Awareness content is for the people that are need to be made aware. Okay, those are the people that are pondering. That needs to be short to the point and just get a message across that you do what you do. So those can be graphics. Those can be short videos. They can be something that's very simple. But really, it's just to create an awareness that you do something. The next one is the most important piece, which is the educational content. So need, now you need to... Not shove it down their throat, but say, you know what? I hear you. You're getting a chihuahua. Well, if you're getting a chihuahua, this is what we found has worked best with chihuahuas. Or you're getting a Great Dane. This is the differentiating needs of Great Danes versus, say, a pit bull or a um, German shepherd or whatever you're getting. So you need to talk to them in a language that answers their questions based on their needs. 
and give them education. Now, let's say you make dog food for pit bulls and for Great Danes and for Chihuahuas. You need to create content for each one of those audiences that answers the questions specific to what they have. And one of the biggest mistakes is, is that people try to to cram all of that information in an article, in a video, in a podcast saying, we make the best dog food, no matter what brand you have. You know, it doesn't emotionally attach when you say every kind of, of type of dog is going to need the same food. But if you say, you got to put pit bull, here's what you need to know about your pit bull. So you need to make sure that you're creating content that's specific to their needs in their niche that talks to them directly. And those need to become assets that you create that gives you the ability to use it over and over and over again. And the last one is the need portion. The need portion is where you have, that's where the sales type copy comes in. Now we're talking benefits and features. This is not educating them on why, you know, Great Danes digest their food differently than a Chihuahua does. This is about, you know, getting down to the basics of, you know, the best price per pound, you know, it's giving you the best options, it's going to get your dog healthier, all that kind of stuff. This is where the features and benefits come in. So you need to create very specific things. And one of the places where people make a mistake is they don't think about, okay, in that need, when somebody's walking out, after they purchase your thing, are you creating content specifically for them too? By the way, here's how you clean the, clean the dog food bowl. Here's how you actually store this stuff and how long it's good for. You know, keep them informed after they bought. So now you're creating content in those three pools: awareness content, educational content, which is not salesy, and sales content and post-sales content to keep them engaged so they come back and buy from you again. Amazing. I love the simplicity of examples that you give. I really love that. Thank you. Um, and you know, I mean, you don't. I don't think you know that yet. But yeah, I mean, you hit the spot with the dog food thing. I mean, I'm, I, I'm. Thank you. All the time rescuing dogs here from the streets, and I adopted four of them. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. uh, this is really an explanation I can so relate to. Uh, and hence why I did it because I know that oh, you like okay. dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Good marketing. Uh, so thank you. Okay, um, are there any suggestions, tips, tricks regarding to you know how to approach the content creation, um, how to yeah. deliver it, what platforms to use, all of that? So I I want as much coaching from you as possible right now. Absolutely, and I plan to deliver as much value as I can. Okay, so let's get down to the core basics. All right. I said before that everybody likes to communicate the way they like to be communicated to. So the first thing you have to figure out is, are you an auditory learner? Are you a visual learner? Are you a tactile learner? If you're an auditory learner, chances are the best way for you to communicate is by speaking. I've written four books. You know how I wrote those four books? I talked them into my microphone. That's how I did it. Because I suck at writing. (laughs) I, I just cannot write. I mean, I can... Here's the thing, and I tell all my clients this. You know, I, I, matter of fact, I'm, I'm doing a webinar for a large window company in the United States. I, I basically become their trainer on social media, and they have contractors. And, and so again, you know, I have to kind of gear the training towards the contractors. And I, I put together the webinar sign up for them, and I do the webinar and record it, and then serve it up to them in their their little box. 
But the bottom line is I tell the client, I say, here's the bottom line. I'm going to give you the text, read through it, and send back what you want. Because I guarantee you it's going to have typos because I can't see them. And it's going to have maybe sentences that don't make sense. Because I talk in from my head. And and that's the way I read. You know, so you got to first figure out what's the best way to do this. If I need to get that content out of my head, I can talk it in the best, but it doesn't always make sense. So the next thing that I do is like with my podcast, and here's a tip, guys. Um, I record my podcasts on Mondays. And when I record them, I send them to a company called Rev, R-E-V, Rev.com. And you can find, if you want to find anything about that, go to brianloves.info forward slash Rev, and they have a coupon where you can get 10 bucks off your first trial. But the key thing is Rev takes my audio and converts it to text. Then I have a virtual assistant who I pay literally $25 a post. Not super, super expensive. And she's in the United States. This is not, over, you know, you can find somebody overseas. The key thing is you want to find somebody who understands how to speak to your audience. That's the most important thing. If you're going to work with a VA, they better know your native language and, un, and understand exactly who your audience is. Don't go for $5, um, you know, VAs because it's cheap. If they don't understand how to speak, take your language and convert it to the language that your audience has, you're going to be missing the boat. So I pay her 25 bucks to go through this and proofread it and then turn it into text and, you know, add the commas and fill in the words my brain didn't fill in when I was talking about it and make my sentences, you know, punctuate and, you know, put the right emphasis on the right syllable and dot the I's and cross the T's. And so now I've got two pieces of content. I've got an audio and I've got text. Now, I can also take that if I wanted to and convert it into a video. I could add PowerPoint slides to it, and I can now take and add PowerPoint to my audio based on the text and just pull the bullet points off the text and turn it into a video and put it up online. With one process and a little bit of help, I've created three different kinds of mediums. I've created something for somebody that likes to listen. I've created something for somebody that likes to read. And there are other people that like to watch video. So the key thing is, whatever you do, think of every piece of content that you create as an asset. And how can I take this and repurpose it? I just did a blog post about, are you recycling your content or are you creating throwaway refuse? And that's what a lot of people do is they create content and then they just move on. And that's the thing about social media too, is you can create a social media post and put it out there. And 30 seconds later, especially on Twitter, as soon as you put something up, it's pretty much gone in the newsfeed, unless somebody is searching for something with hashtags. And even at that, you know, how relevant is it when they get to it? So the key thing that you want to do is you want to create content that you can use over and over and over again. And you want to have it in as many mediums as you can, because it's really about how does your audience want to consume it? That's the key thing. Now, your perfect avatar may be exactly like you, but maybe they do like to read and not listen. So you can't assume just because you like to listen that your audience does. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a firm believer is use as many social media as you can. Use that as a delivery platform. Here's the deal. This is what I believe in social media. I believe that social media, number one, is a relationship building tool first. If you go into social media with the concept that you're going to build relationships, you're going to spend time to get to know people, 
You're going to wish them a happy birthday on their birthday. If they lose a dog, you're going to send them something that says, I'm sorry for your loss, whatever it is. You're going to build a relationship with those people. By doing that, not only does the algorithm you know, give you benefits because it'll actually raise you up and more people will see your stuff. But the other thing is people will think more of you because you're giving instead of taking. So that's number one. Number two is a content delivery platform. Now you have the ability because people are paying attention to you and you've built a relationship to put the content in front of them and, and give them the opportunity to decide whether they want to read it or not. And then the last thing is a sales platform. That's when you're saying, hey, you know, I'm doing a live webinar or I'm doing a boot camp or I'm, you know, having a sale or I'm giving a talk or I'm doing something that requires them to take action. You know, by building the relationship, providing great content that has value, then the sales process becomes a piece that you can throw in there. If you, Most people, unfortunately, go right for the jugular and say, I'm just going to post all my sales messages on social media. So the key things is, number one, create content that you can use, repurpose, and figure out ways that you can get it to multiple audiences. And number two, content comes after you build the relationships. Use sales as a very small part of what you're doing online. Awesome advice. First thing, I want uh, contact with your VA. I need somebody like that. So please, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I've got lots of, I've got lots of them, and I can give you a contact to somebody um, who actually is a VA coach, and that's where I get mine. She actually trains VAs, and that's where I found the best. Um, she's actually on my podcast. Her name is Kathy Gangauer. Uh, or Guggenauer, excuse me, it's Kathy Guggenauer. And you could just look up Kathy G on baconpodcast.com and listen to her and all awesome, our contact awesome. info. Yeah, I, I need to reach out to her. Uh, but, but yeah, she's uh, great. My next question. So I'll give you an example where repurposing the content mm -hmm. really absolutely failed. And I want to hear your take on it, how to do it in an effective way. So I'm a huge fan of TED Talks. And a few, quite a few years mm -hmm. ago, when I was still doing a lot of driving around, I would have, you know, my phone plugged into my car stereo and just listen to podcasts instead of music. And because I am a huge fan mm -hmm. of TED Talks, and I found uh, a podcast by TED Talks, which was audio. Mm -hmm. And I listened to the first TED Talk, and I don't know, lady or uh, a man uh, is saying something and then, oh yeah, look at the big screen. Like you have the, you know, formula there and this there and so on. And I'm like, Hmm, I'll have to go back to that when I'm back at my computer because I need to see the video. Okay. I go to the next one. Same thing happened again. And, and I was like, delete mm -hmm. this podcast. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just, uh, trying to, uh, say that often people, uh, try to like, for example, um, let's say that, uh, we would be doing this podcast in a video style, and then I would be just taking the audio out. So posting it on YouTube and posting it on all the platform for podcasting in audio form. And because we are doing mm -hmm. it on a video uh, style, maybe, you know, you use hands to explain something. Maybe you show something. And, of course, that message then gets lost in the audio-only uh, version. So um, I'm right. always, you know, I'm, I'm yes for repurposing, but 
do that in a smart way because not everything can be repurposed the way it is. So I just want to hear your take on that, how to do it effectively smart so that the message gets across in whichever form you deliver the content. Well, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head and the nail is, is that not everything transcribes a hundred percent. You know, it's like, it's like audio from, from mimes doesn't work. Um, so you, you know, you, some people can get enough out of the Ted talk that it has value and makes them want to go watch the visual, but really Ted talks with visuals are by far are better. So the key thing that you got to think of is, can this be consumed in all media? Because I mean, I, I do a lot of interviews like this where people want me on camera and it's just me sitting at my computer talking to them. I don't add a lot of value, you know, unless you're popping up slides and graphics, um, there's not a whole lot there. And then there's other people that will take podcasts and put up one slide and throw it up on YouTube so that people can listen to it on two different mediums. Um, same thing. It's, you know, it's basically talking with one graphic and why would people want to do that? Why not go to a podcast to listen to it? So the key thing is optimize whatever you're doing for the medium and keep it there. And, you know, if you want to share it in the other places, that's okay. Just don't expect the same results. I mean, maybe some people want TED Talks because they're, you know, I don't mean to be cold, but maybe they're blind and they can't see the slides and they still want to hear it. You know, give them the opportunity to get it, but don't expect the same results because it's never going to be the same. So it may be a fail, but I still think okay. it has value. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, Brian, before I slowly move towards the end of this podcast, I want to touch upon, I mean, you do... I mean, I wouldn't say specialize on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is something that, you know, you do promote mm -hmm. more than other platforms as far as I know. And so, you know, maybe we could right. give, or I mean, not we, but you could give uh, some LinkedIn specific um, tips, tricks for the audience, what they can do there. Uh, maybe, you know, some of your observations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I can give you, I mean, I, I specialize in all platforms. I mean, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, doesn't matter. Uh, but LinkedIn is where I primarily do my business. So if you're in the B2B space, business to business, you're selling to companies that sell to other companies, um, you know, that's the key thing. Or you're selling, even if the companies sell to consumers, you have to decide what niche you're in first and then communicate with people the right way. So the first thing that you have to realize about LinkedIn, number one, is again, it's a relationship building tool. So when you put in your profile, number one, have a good picture. Number two, you have 120 characters to get across three things. The first thing is, who do you serve? What problem do you solve and how you do it? If you can do that in 120 characters, you've achieved something because now people are going to want to dig deeper into um, Brian, the content. Brian, that you put if out. I can interject, so that's number one. Um, and, and just ask you for your opinion. Sure. Do, do, do you really find that as a good strategy? Because uh, from my, like when I get, I get a lot of requests from people and when I look at their headline mm -hmm. and I just see that it is, you know, um, 
um, that it's no, not the CEO. But, you know, I help coaches ten um, x results, blah 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 blah. Um, I, I don't even accept because I already know that next thing will be I will be put on auto messages. Well, you yeah, it's it's depends on how you write it. If you say I help coaches, you know, I help high, I get the high ticket coach thing all the time, you know, and some are really good at the message thing. Well, what do you do? Who do you work with? You know, they want to start a conversation. They're they're not interested in you. They're interested in how can they approach to sell you. And so there's a big difference between saying, you know, I help business coaches 10x their business through my, you know, sophisticated strategy to something along the line of I help B2B businesses generate more profitable sales through a proven LinkedIn strategy. And, and the thing is, is I'm not I'm talking about them. You know, I help B2B businesses generate more sales, which is their pain point, which is what they want to do through a proven LinkedIn strategy. And so the key question is, is if, it, it, if it connects with them, will they go down and read anything more or look at a post or dig into something else? And that's, that's the thing that you want to do is you want to get something that makes them want to go down further in the page. So... That is a great strategy as long as you get it to the point where it actually talks to the audience that you're talking to. Because most of the people I'm talking to are CEOs and they want it to the point. But you have to make sure that, you know, who you serve is not everybody. It's not all dogs. You know, it, it has to be targeted one way, shape or form. You know, I ask this of everybody. It's like, you know, who do you sell to? Anybody with a wallet? No. You don't, <laughs> you know, you sell to very specific people with wallets and some of them have them in their purses and some may have them in their back pockets. You know, you got to define, are you a woman's brand, man's brand, you know, old brand, young brand. You have to figure out who you're talking to. So you got to make them feel okay. like you're talking okay, cool. to them. That's the key thing. Um, anything else on mm -hmm. LinkedIn going forward? Yeah, just, well, I mean, after that, there's so many pieces to it. You you want to fill out your profile as best you can. But here's, here's a couple of things that I say. Again, it's not about you. you. Don't sit here and tell me how great you are and how many awards you got and all this other stuff. None of that matters. It's what can you do for me? What's in it for me? W-I-F-M. People listen to two different radio stations, and I see this all the time on websites and LinkedIn. Most people write about themselves. We do this and we do that and we do this. And I call I call that wee weeing all over yourself. People don't care about that. What they care about is themselves. So is how do you help them? That's W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? So make sure whatever you write, you're writing it from the perspectives. If you were reading it, would it reach out to you and say, I need to either connect with this person or at least follow this person? You know, that they're not going to come out and beat me over the head with their 10x strategy and try to sell me their coaching. You know, what is it that I do that is different than other people that can stand out? So that's the key is make it them focused, no matter what you do, your website, your LinkedIn profile. And then from there, you know, just fill in where you can. Make sure you have your company up there, have a company page, make sure you have your logo, add media, add this is where... You know, repurposing content. Do you have a white paper? Put it up there. Do you have a PowerPoint presentation? Put it up there. You got a podcast? Put it up there. You know, have that content available so people want to consume okay. it, they can get okay. it. Okay, very good and very sound advice. Um, Brian, 
Thank Before you. I ask my last question, um, can you tell us a little bit more about Brian? Oh, sure. Um, well, first and foremost, um, I live in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I am a avid golfer. I love golf. That's how I take my vacations four hours at a time. I love golfing by myself, meaning I go out to a course and try to join a three other people or two other people so I can get to meet people. Um, I love to speak. I love running now. That's one of my new passions. I'm a musician. I uh, actually owned a recording studio and did jingles for years. And I've been married for 19 years and have two kids that are in their 30s. And just uh, absolutely my, my superpower, the bottom line is my superpower is teaching. I love to see people succeed Lovely. by the things that and I And you missed one thing. I know you have, you have a dog. What's that? I do. Yes, we rescue animals. And Buddy Guy is a 100-pound black lab, and he's actually, at this point in his life, a special needs dog. He cannot walk on his back legs, so we have a harness, and I actually have to carry him up and down the stairs and actually walk with oh. him outside so he can get around and do his biz. But he's still happy, and his tail still wags, and he does everything a dog needs to do. And okay, eat, amazing, sleep, amazing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, I, I love rescuing dogs as well. So, <clears throat> yeah, uh, we could we could talk about dogs for days, and, and I wouldn't be... Yeah, yeah, we, we should could. We do another we show could. just on We dogs. definitely could. <laughs> well, Brian, uh, my last question. Um, the last thing mm -hmm. you want to share with the audience... You know, one thing that you want them to take away, um, either related to what we were talking so far or anything else, um, the floor is yours. Sure. I'm going to leave you with a quick story. And this is usually how I open up my presentations. And the key thing is that you, so let me start with a quote. And the quote is by Zig Ziglar, one of the sales gurus. And he said, you can have everything in life you want if you just help other people get what they want. And the story goes like this. Henry Ford, who invented the Model T automobile company, his factory went down because a boiler broke. So he calls up a boiler repairman. The boiler repairman walks in and he takes a look at the boiler and he says, I can fix it. He says, OK, go do it. So he pulls out a screwdriver and he grabs it and puts it in one screw and turns it a quarter turn. The boiler started working. The whole factory started working again. And, you know, obviously everybody was elated. And so the, the guy walks up to hands a bill to Henry Ford and was for $1,000. And Henry Ford turns and looks at him. He says, you're really going to charge me $1,000 to turn a screw? And the man says, no, I'm charging you $1,000 to know which screw to turn and how far. Yes, so that's how absolutely. you got to make yourself I've heard different. this story just in a different setting uh, with something with a ship or something like that. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I've heard it before and I 100% agree with it. Well, Brian, it was a huge, huge, huge pleasure having you on my podcast. Um, I love how we, you know, we are always able to just, you know, talk two entrepreneurs having a chat. Uh, and while we're doing that, we're providing value. Like we did that on your podcast. We did that now on my podcast. We're going to do this on a LinkedIn Live in the near future as well. Um, so I greatly appreciate you. And I'm really grateful that you were uh, my guest. So thank you very much. Um, it's Friday today when we are recording. So I wish you an amazing Friday and an even more amazing uh Labor Day weekend. 
Thank you, Miha. It was not only a pleasure, but an honor to be on your show. And I really appreciate the opportunity.